Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here in Dining Room Studios with one of my favorite people, Greg Fitzsimmons. Welcome back. That's a nice way to be welcomed. It feels good. Good. Um, we recently did my podcast and we had a really nice time. We did. Always. I always have a good time with you. Yeah. And now here you are. So let's catch up. The last mm. time we talked, you had just moved. Yeah. And you were doing a pilot. Yes. And you were soon to be doing a bike race in Boston. Just did the bike race this past weekend. Tell me about that. Holy shit. It was so far beyond. I raised a bunch of money for it. I think you donated some money. Would it, wouldn't it have been nice if I had? Why did I not just let you think I had? You didn't reach out to me to donate money, though. Oh, I didn't? No. But you knew that I was doing a bike race. I did, yeah. And raising money. Did you think I was just, just riding a bike for no reason? Just to raise awareness. Right. Is it too late to donate? Never. You know, I got to interrupt you real fast and say, you know when a whole bunch of people suddenly tweet about someone's book or someone's TV show yeah. and you have this awareness that they emailed all them to say, hey, here's the day. Can you tweet about this? Usually I, I, I oftentimes receive those kinds of emails. But I've noticed lately, it's been a long time since I've received one, and like I've seen a lot of people promoting projects where I know the person, or I've had them on my podcast, and I think, I'm okay with not getting that email, but it's just weird. And this is sort of oh, like- Oh, you mean you feel left out? Yeah, but also kind of relieved that of I don't course. have to do that promotional. It's a I weird always, thing to have to do. Yes, and I always do it. Yeah. And I always- I always do it, but I always feel a, a little bit like I don't have the option to not do it. At the same time, I want to help the person. So you're saying I'm putting pressure on you right now? No, I'm just saying I'm saying this is like that in that I didn't receive an email asking for money from you. Well, that's strange. I did send out emails, but I didn't hit everybody. Did I send an email to you? I did not get one. Okay. So I, I, need we, I, I just bit on it. I said, no, I didn't get it. Feel. That's smart. Do we feel left out or do we feel relieved? You feel like my computer system is weak. My my address book, email, uh, you know, mass mailing system is not very co coherent. I yes. I invited you to my party. Right. I got that invite. Right. So if I'm going to invite you to a party, why I'll not be hit saying me up I for, you up money. for some money? You would one would think. Yeah. But no, you didn't. Anyway, well, let me though, tell but you yes, about I the do, I donated generously. I um I didn't raise a ton. I raised four grand, which a I lot. thought was pretty good. And then uh, I go out there, and you know they they take care of everything. It's just you know they've got all these sponsors. The airline flew first class, and we wow. get in, and we had a driver. Um, what, Audi. What's the um, organization? It's called Best Buddies, mm -hmm. and it's for um, you know intellectually disabled people. And uh, so you you raise money to get them into jobs. The main thing is reaching out to companies to hire somebody who's special needs, mm -hmm. which um, they do in 24 cities around the country now. It was all started by a Anthony Shriver, who's, you know, obviously his father, Sergeant Shriver, started the Special Olympics. And he was he was a freshman at Georgetown. This is what I love. I mean, you want to feel like a piece of shit. I already Freshman do. at Georgetown, he started best buddies wow and then now he he's been running it i mean this guy's all, born into all the money in the world right and chooses to become the ceo of an inter it's now in like 20 countries mm -hmm. all him i mean he the guy called me to thank me personally this morning and now how old is he now my age 32 yeah, not really <laughs> right just coming up a young whippersnapper no i think he's 50 like me 
And um, so anyway, the, everything's great. They Audi donates all these cars and these volunteer drivers. So you get, I was with two really good friends. So we had our own driver the entire time, like wow. text away from going anywhere you want because it was like a million stops. Mm. And um, we go in the next day to uh, John Hancock because they hire uh, this this kid named Dudley who's great. And he just, showed, he was, there was a snowstorm this winter and not one person showed up to work at John Hancock except Dudley who's like 10 subway stops away and just they they feel so much fulfillment from it mm-hmm. and um so anyway we spent the day there and then that not that afternoon they had a touch football game at Harvard for all the celebrities and the VIPs and uh Tom Brady was the official quarterback for both teams wow okay so i follow are you on snapchat um i think so yeah Yes. I'll have to follow you. No, Instagram I'm on. Okay. Well, so Maria Menounos is on Snapchat. Right. I follow her. She was there. Yeah. And she was posting a lot of stuff from it. Yeah. Um, Quite a Tony affair. It was amazingly Tony. It was, um, you know, good good celebrities, but... A lot of Kennedy stuff. I caught two passes from Tom Brady. Wow. One for a touchdown. Did he just throw it to everyone there? Well, yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) how football works. Yes. And and so we, we did that. And uh, Maria was very good. She got she got intercepted a couple times. People picked her off, and um, she dropped a couple tough ones. Mm-hmm. And then we go across the street, and there's a giant tent set up, and there's lobster. You know, there's 32 chefs from Boston, Jeez. all cooking for this event, and every food you can imagine. And again, these people are all paying. You know, hundreds, thousands of dollars to be. They raised like six million dollars. Wow! In this weekend, and uh, so they go up, and uh, Tom goes up and makes a speech. People kind of listen. Anthony goes up. Nobody's listening. Then they introduce Greg Fitzsimmons, the Fitz dog. I didn't know you were speaking there. I was doing stand up. Wow. Um, ninety-two percent of the people seem to be unaware that I was on stage, mm-hmm. and they just talked through it. And so I'm doing my routine and I'm supposed to do 10 minutes. And you know what? I'm fucking doing 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't care how bad I'm bombing. I got my table, right. a bunch of very cool people. Maria and everybody else is cheering for me and they're laughing. And then a thousand other people who just, don't give a shit. Who don't give a shit. And I start going, that last joke was called Skittles. Uh, this next <laughs> one coming up is called Surfing in Massachusetts. <laughs> and uh, and then I got off and I was just humiliated. I went from like one of the highs of my life right. to a pretty bad low. Mm. Went back to the hotel and then uh, the next morning we get up, 5 a.m. And we go, uh, we get on bikes and we ride. Uh, it was a hundred mile ride, but I did the last 20 in Cape Cod. You the, choose how much, how what? Yeah, you can you do hundred fifty or twenty, mm-hmm. and you chose twenty. Twenty chose me. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and we get to Cape Cod, and then the the driver picks me up and takes uh, me and my friends to the Kennedy compound, like Jeez. the Kennedy. And I'm a Kennedy fanatic. Mm. Read every book, every documentary. Mm. You know, grew up with the oil painting of JFK on the wall, and uh, so we get there, and there it is. The lawn in front of the Kennedy compound wow. and Kennedy grandkids with red hair and big chins playing touch football. And I just walk over there and I start playing fucking touch football on the lawn. Now, is everyone there freaking out or are most people just acting like, oh, yeah, it's just another day at the Kennedy compound? Uh, there's a buzz. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel that people feel that the, the, it's just, you know, Ethel in a 
fucking golf cart <laughs> on the lawn where JFK played touch football. Like literally, there she is, Ethel Kennedy. Yeah. And so play some football, uh, have some more food. This was like my fourth meal of the day at this point. <laughs> what, what meal was this now? Uh, well, I had a Starbucks muffin at 5 a.m. Then there was a, we went to the start at 7 of the 100 milers to, to cheer them off, meal there. Then we went to the 20-mile start, had uh, pancakes there. Wow. Went to the Kennedy compound, had food there. It's a lot of food for exercising. Right. Meet this woman, Maureen, who is the uh, caretaker for the house. Mm-hmm. And I say, can we look around? She goes, sure. <laughs> Takes me and my two friends into the Kennedy compound. We walk in the living room overlooking the ocean. You know the living room with the fireplace and the, ca- and the seat that Joe Kennedy Sr. was sitting in mm-hmm. when he got the news that JFK was going to go overseas. There's that famous picture. And uh, we went into JFK's bedroom. Wow. What was it like? My friend Martha laid down on the bed. I go, get the fuck out of... Everybody's like, did you get a picture? I'm like, no, you don't lay down in John F. Kennedy's bed. Right. Um, saw the screening room. They have screening room downstairs. It was apparently the first screening room in America. And uh, it had a steel door on it because back then you used to, um, you used to use a candle, candlelight, to show the movie. And so with all the chemicals and the candles, mm-hmm. it would often burst into flames so if it did the camera operator was fucked because mm-hmm. it was a steel door to right. keep the house from catching on fire smart so we get the tour and then we go back to the end of the race and we do a, a tandem lap with each of the special needs people on a on the back of your bike mm-hmm. do a race uh anthony i would be afraid that i would wipe out oh, and hurt someone oh i did not enjoy it sandy was that your your tandem Rider? The, 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 no, no. <laughs> no, James. Sandy, the track was Sandy. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so me and J- me and James are going around, and I'm gripping the... the, the he's pedaling as fast as he mm. can. I keep going, James, slow down. Oh, geez. <laughs> and so I, I got the brakes on, trying to stop James from pedaling so hard. Right. Uh, finish that, and then we go across the street into a huge tent where more lobster... Meal number five, and uh, have a little dinner. A uh, kid gets up there, uh, especially it's kid, and he walks on stage, and the place goes quiet, mm, and he goes- The respect you didn't get. Right. And he says, don't call me a retard. Long pause. Place goes, whoa. And he talked about what that word meant to him, mm-hmm. and uh, just made this beautiful speech about how he felt like um, his life had meaning now, and it was beautiful. And Tom Brady got up and he threw footballs to the crowd. If you wanted a football, you raise your hand and he throws it to you, and then you give fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! And they made sixty grand in about fifteen minutes. And he was throwing. This tent was like fifty yards long, wow. and he was throwing it all the way down the tent and hitting people in the chest who had raised their hand. But when you caught them, you did not have to give money, or did you? I didn't catch a ball. No, mine was during the touch football Oh, okay. This is in the tent. Gotcha. At the the, uh, banquet. Okay. Okay, so I'm sitting there. Who comes on stage now? Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. I'm sitting in the front row, and they sounded fucking great. Was John Stamos with them? No. Damn. I heard that. He plays with them, right? Sometimes, yes. Even on Full House once. No shit. Mm -hmm. There was an episode where he played with them. I mean, the thing was, obviously, they played they played all their best hits, 
And you know they're sick of playing them, but they didn't show it. They really were just cool. They were just really cool about it, and they sounded amazing. Now, do... I don't know why I care about this, but I'm just curious. Do they get paid for doing something like this, or do is this a donation of of their time? Well, Mike Love at one point after the third, after like three or four songs, the place was really just rocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're out there dancing. I'm there with my three friends, and then we've got all these best buddies dancing with us. You know, holding hands with a girl who's you know who's Sandy. got Down syndrome. Sandy's dance with me, <laughs> and the joy in their faces. It was like it was incredible. And then. Mike Love goes, uh, it's really great to be here in, uh, where the hell are we? Well, whatever. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> I guess that answers so that. So maybe he got paid. Yeah, probably. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I look up on stage, and there's about a dozen of the best buddies on stage with the, best, with the Beach Boys, and they're singing Good Vibrations. Aw. You try to not fucking cry. I'm going to cry just listening to it. I, it was like goosebumps. It was, the, 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 again, just the joy, like the complete, uh, they're uninhibited, and they just love, they don't have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so we do that. We dance for an hour and a half. I'm sweating. And then they take us to the Shriver compound. And there's, uh, in the kitchen, is Guy Fieri, the chef. Oh, yes. I saw photos. Well, because Maria was cooking with yeah. them. Yeah. They, they stood in the kitchen and cooked food. I stood there and Guy Fieri would walk over and uh, put food in my hand that I would eat that he just cooked. How was it? It was great. And then I'm talking to Joe Kennedy Jr., mm-hmm. the guy who's the congressman from Massachusetts. Right. Who I believe will be the next president of the United States. He's just so sharp. And his grandfather is robert kennedy his father is joe senior mm-hmm. no joe whatever and just every time you talk to a kennedy and they're very accessible yeah they fucking walk right up to you how you doing i'm i'm, I'm jennifer kennedy and i'm like holy shit <laughs> and you know and they, they just all went to harvard law school and they're all doing you know charity work their lives are devoted to foundations and you know he was in the peace corps for two years and he was telling us about being in the Peace Corps in the Dominican Republic and digging latrines for the Haitians who were basically kept as slave labor mm-hmm. at the sugar plantations in, in the Dominican. And uh, and they would stop him from digging the latrines because if the Haitians raised their station in life in any way, they would throw them out and go get new Haitians to bring in. And as little as they were making, right. it was, was their only more, option in wow. life. Wow. And so he says that. And then my friend goes, I was in the D- Dominican Republic too. And, and Joe Kennedy's like, where? And he's like, the hard rock. And then, <laughs> and then his wife goes, we rode dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same. <laughs> wow. And so how did you get involved in this charity foundation? Well, it was my friend Greg Gurman, who's the guy from, uh, remember Allie McBeal? Yes, I do. He was the guy with the glasses and the blondish hair. Okay. Uh, he's been in uh, Talladega Nights. He's a working actor mm. for the last 20 years. Great dude. So he got, he's been doing it forever, so he got me in. And then we go, you know, here in L.A., we go bowling with them or just hang out. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it must feel good to do something good. Not just not just uh, disposable like your regular comedy. Well, it <laughs> whoosh. it's, you know, it's nice. It, this all sounds very elaborate and mm-hmm. she but... You got to understand on these things, it's like the corporate sponsors, part of it is, the, and, and I am at the bottom 
of the celebrity ladder, but seeing the bigger names, it really makes them pony up big money to be at the event. Right. And it, and it, get, it makes the media show up and cover it and give more, um, you know, uh, visibility to the charity. So, um, you know, I hate, I hope I don't come off as sounding like, yeah, I'm hanging out at the Kennedy compound. And No, you sound like someone who was ex- excited to be doing this. Yeah, I was. In a good way. And if you want to donate money, you still can at fitzdog.com. There's a link. You'll see a picture of me with the special needs people. Let's all go there, you guys. Just do it. Um, how's moving going? How, how did it go? They say it is emotionally the same as losing a loved one when you move. Mm-hmm. Did you, have you ever heard that? I've heard that. I have not heard that. I've heard that it's one of the most stressful things you can go through. The other being public speaking. I don't know. Public Lose speaking. It, divorce. Yeah. It's up. I know that it's like one of the most stressful things. The worst is when you have to give a speech about moving. Yes. <laughs> to your family. In the midst of your divorce. Yeah. Um, so I'm not divorced, which is fantastic because Good. most guys at the age of 50 are moving because they're going to a, a, right. a studio in Marina Del Rey. Yeah. It's time for wife number two yeah. for many guys. And so uh, we moved. It was real, you know. We still don't have cable. You know, Frontier has taken over for Verizon. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's a re- it's a disaster. Even the people I talked to from Frontier on the phone were like, <laughs> "Yeah, we know it's really bad." Um, so we have no internet or cable for the last month. Yeah, you didn't have it last time I talked to you. No, why they they can't they can't make it out to your place? They, it's well, up. it took them two weeks to come out, and then when they did, they hooked it up, and it immediately broke as soon oh, as they left. Geez. And then they came back, fixed it, same thing happened. And then we called Time Warner. They came out, and uh, now it's not working out with Time Warner. And so now we're thinking maybe it's just the cables in our house are bad. Mm. So, um, But you know what? We're reading books. We're playing games. I enjoy it. Kids have run up uh, $350 in overages on their data plan mm-hmm. this month. Yeah. And, um, and the house has uh, cockroaches. So it sounds like it's going great. It's going really well. And there's uh, mockingbirds in the tree in our backyard. What is it that mockingbirds do? <laughs> like oh, monkeys. They make soothing sounds. And they start at 1045 every night. And mm-hmm. I've got an air rifle. Is that wrong? Have you looked it up? On, well, you, you, you couldn't have looked it up online. No, but in morally. Morally. But, yes. Is I'm going to say it is. Unless... I don't I don't like hunting and killing things um, personally, but sometimes when there's an overpopulation of a certain animal, you are allowed to take them out. Right. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, like are, you, right now. <laughs> are you allowed to use your air? Wait, what is an air rifle shoot? It's a BB gun. You know, little round pellets. But it would kill them, right? I hope so. That's the worst part is if you just maimed it. Right. Well, or it could just be like you could it could whiz by their head, scare them, and serve as a warning. That would be nice. You should do that. Just warn well, them. Well, I think that's actually fireworks. Maybe if I set off fireworks every night. Or what about like a scarecrow or something? A scare mockingbird. They're up in the trees. I think scarecrows Mylar kick them off your lawn. Uh, Mylar balloons? I don't know. There's got to be something. Something that's short of BB guns. Do you I, have you ever hunted? Would you hunt? No, I've never hunted. But you want to kill these birds, yeah, because of the sound they make. Kind of want to kill a bird. Oh, just for the fun of yeah. killing a bird. I don't know. Call it fun. I just feel uh, un, un. I'm not complete. Right. There's a dead bird shaped hole in your heart. Yes. Do you think that you would at any point 
flinch and be like, I can't do this. Like I've fished once in my life yeah. when I was a kid. And I, as, as soon as the fish on the line came out of the water, all bloody and flopping around, I began crying. There's a picture of me with the fish and I'm just in tears. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's, that was my last experience with it. I can't do it. And because the fish fishing. hadn't done anything to you. This bird's keeping me up every night, so I think there'd so be a feeling of... you got a personal of, vendetta, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think... I mean, I don't know. I've never I've never hunted. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll freeze up when I'm actually pointing the gun at the bird. Or I wonder if you see the bird drop from the sky and like, what's the sound that it makes? Plunk. No. <laughs> what's, the sound, what's the sound that it makes that keeps you up? What if it makes like half of one of those on its way down? It's like, yeah, that would be bothersome. To me, it would be. It would stay with me. Yeah. Are you going to do it anyway? I don't even like killing bugs. I feel bad when I'm killing bugs. I really do. Yeah. Can't you just catch one of these birds in a gigantic cup, slide a paper under it, let it it go, (laughs) let it go inside? (laughs) No, I don't know. Um, I think fireworks might be the answer. I think if I can throw a blockbuster up in the tree every night at 11 <laughs> o'clock, because they show up at a certain time, if I get them right out of the gate with a with a bunch of firecrackers. Mm-hmm. See, if you had the internet, you could be looking up how to deal with this, because right. I bet there are all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, I just Googled it, and somebody wrote a whole book on how to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> well, there you go. Get that one. Jeff, have you hunted? I have not hunted. Would you? I would have if, if I had started at that age when I would have started, mm-hmm. but now I probably wouldn't. Where'd but you I, grow I, up? Pennsylvania. That's hunting country. Oh, big time. Yeah, I mean, everybody in my family hunts, but I just, at the age when I would have taken it up, I wasn't into it. Yeah. But have I've, you shot a gun? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I shot a gun well, yesterday. Well, well before I could drive, but maybe before I rode a bike. Yeah, I've shot a lot of guns. Yeah, wow. Yeah, there's just wh- guns everywhere. At what? Like clay pigeons Anything. or targets on a piece of paper that look like a human? Clay pigeons and targets. But never at people targets. It's just like circular targets. I actually, th- I've never shot a gun, but I actually think I would probably enjoy it, the target practice aspect of it. Yeah, they're fun. What about you, Greg? I just am thinking for a second about how I asked people to donate to this week's charity <laughs> and I talked about how I'm going to kill a mockingbird. And I realized that a lot of the people that were about to click donate. Right, just uh, their hand just moved yeah, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to rescind? Um, I do. I don't think, I really don't think that I could kill a bird. I think the idea is there, but as soon as you came up with other alternatives, I suddenly didn't want to shoot the bird. What about a non-lethal method like hitting it with the hose? That's not bad. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. You the get, trouble like, a is it's, a, it's in a really thick tree. So I go there late at night and I look up and it's just dark. It's like uh, it's like you know the woods at night mm-hmm. and you and they're up top. I can't see. I think there's a couple of them. So I feel like you need to bring in an ornithologist or an exterminator or a cat or a cat. Yeah, well, a cat. But then you have a cat up in the tree. Then you have a cat, right? I don't want a cat. Can you rent a cat for a couple of days? No, but that's a million dollar idea. Yeah, rent a cat, have it come to your house, get rid of all your pests, and then. Take it out. When yeah. I had mice in my apartment in New York, people that I worked with offered to let me borrow their cat, and I was like, mm. "That I don't know how I don't I don't know where to begin with that." I've Did never you do it? Cat. I didn't do it. No. Um, now you go to Spanish Harlem and you get this uh, mice killer. It's illegal, 
but you can get it in Spanish Harlem at the bodegas. What is it? It's like a white powder. I forget what it's made of, but it's a chemical that the FDA won't approve. Hmm. But it's very effective. Huh. We just got, we finally, after trying all, I spent so much money on stuff that did not work, like things that you plug into your outlet that emits a frequency yeah. that mice don't. Mice in New York have evolved past the point of right. babies in right. New York. Like they can do anything. They yeah. can go into your kitchen and make popcorn and yeah. then eat it. Um, so they walk over traps. So we, I spent so much money on all that stuff. Finally, I just called an exterminator and he came out and like stuffed all the holes with steel wool. Yeah, with whatever they do. And, you know, found all the ways they were getting in the apartment. And then thankfully, that was the end of it. Except, <laughs> and this is the grossest part. So then I was living with my sister at that point. Then I moved out. Um, her boyfriend moved in. And around the time that I was, I I hadn't been out for that long. She was sitting on the couch and she was eating soup and she had a rag and she looked down and in the rag, there was this like shriveled up baby, dead baby mouse. It's pretty disturbing. I I, and I felt so bad for her, but inside I was like, thank God I moved out before you found that. Yeah, yeah. I used to have, I lived in Little Italy and we had a tin roof and the it was like one of those old tenements where mm-hmm. it's completely slanted right. from age. And so you'd go up and like if you, the shower was like a square stall with the drain in the middle mm-hmm. and you would shower and like every five minutes you have to kick the water <laughs> right. into the drain or it would it flow over the edge. And you, you, you would drop an orange and it would like roll. Mm. And so um, we had these tin roofs, these beautiful, like, or- ornate tin roofs, but the mice would go up there at night and be right over your head when you're in bed, and you could you just hear, hear their little claws on the Ugh. tin. Ugh. So we put everything out, and uh, and then we, we put out those glue traps. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And, and then one of the mice got in the glue trap, but he was, like, behind the wall, and you could just hear the glue trap getting dragged around for, like, two days. Well, that's better than the... Two days until he just died, or yes, because I was going to say that's better than the alternative, which is that he is trying to get out of the glue trap and the glue trap won't move. But this sounds like a strong mouse. Maybe the glue trap just became a giant shoe. Yes, <laughs> probably not. But <laughs> he was the mermaid of the mouse world. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so last time we talked, Greg, we talked about a lot of stuff. But one of the things we talked about was, um, you were saying that. As you used to be, well, you still are cool, but growing up, you were cool. And sometimes when you're around kids, you want to like point it out like, hey, I'm, you don't realize I used to, I used to smoke pot. I used to do this. I used to all that stuff. And like, you want to make jokes about it, but you don't because you don't want to put that out to your kids. Right. Because you don't want them to know that you did all this stuff that you probably don't want them to do. And so therefore you were saying that like, you feel like you can't really be yourself in your act or to your kids. Um, this was about a year ago. Has anything changed with all that? No, that's interesting. You bring that up because it's something that I just dealt with last night at dinner. I was telling a story about, um, partying in college and the parties we would have. And, and my son goes, so then it's okay if we do that. And it's exactly <laughs> what you're afraid of that. Whatever right. you do, you're giving them permission to do. But, you know, the the ship has sailed because I wrote a book with all that crazy shit in it. Mm-hmm. And they have not read it yet, but I don't know why there's copies of it on shelves. Do they listen to your show? No. No, my wife's never listened to my podcast once. Really? Never once. How does that make you feel? So relieved. So free. <laughs> 
I don't, you know, she wouldn't really care. And I, I do respect her enough to not say anything. You know, like I'll right. say that she has nice tits. They're 34 Ds and uh, how she grooms her undercarriage, like the basics. Oh, but how I, does she groom it? That's, I don't talk about oh, that. Oh, just. <laughs> now it's, uh, she, she keeps it trimmed, mm-hmm. but she's a little old school. I recently, okay, like let's say you have a garden. And you've got one tree in one spot. And you look and you're like, the tree's in the wrong spot. I am going to let a few more trees grow in and then just sort of, I'm going to like let, I'm going to let there be a lot of foliage here. And then I'm going to get rid of a bunch of it so that that one tree is sort of in a different spot. You have a stray hair? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm talking about like, a tuft, be like a tuft, a, a tuft, almost like a, a soul patch, right? Ah. In my lady parts, <laughs> and one day I looked, and I'm like, I've been grooming it this way for so long, but why? Yeah, like right. that makes that makes no sense because yeah. if the point is to like get rid of hair where there's action, I put the tree right where there could be some action. If Got you know it. what I'm saying, I'm just like I've mentioned it before. No one ever pulled me aside and explained how to do this. Yeah. At the point, I realized that most women groom their undercarriage, and I'm walking around with like a, a jungle. Yeah. I like the word muff. Muff is good, too. Yeah. It suggests that you could put your hands in it to keep warm. Right. At the point that I realized that, I was just like, oh, my God, I've got to get rid of so much of this. I'm so embarrassed. So I just you know, did the first thing that came to mind. And for years and years and years, I had been like that. And then I thought, I got to change this. But that means growing hair where there hasn't been hair for a while so that then I can just remove the soul patch. Yeah. But right now there's like, it's, it's neat. It's within boundaries. Yeah. But it's a lot more than I've ever had. But I think I that's coming fine. back. I think Is that, it? Oh. Am I on point? Oh, you are on, on your, trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're is head, my bush on fleek? Your, your muff is, is like totally hipster. Oh, that's what That's it is. Hip, the hipsters are I've growing got, it like, out a completely. Steampunk, retro, futuristic muff. How do you know this? Do you look at hipster no, porn? Just people, people talk to me. I mean, I. It sounds like I fucked a hipster, but that would be impossible on right. many levels. Because you're you. Because I'm me, and I don't cheat. Right, and those are the reasons. And the w- women, I don't think, would have sex with me. The little hipster chicks, maybe they would. Oh, I thought they like everything old, right? That's true. They like vintage. Yes. You are like a thrift store find. I would be like, I would just, I would show up with like some, uh, you know, 30 year old scotch, some kind of malt from 30 mm-hmm. years ago and uh, a shark skin suit and, and play some Sinatra records. Right. Louis C.K. had a funny episode with this girl that was, she got off on fucking an older guy. And mm-hmm. while they were having sex, she'd be like, say some more old stuff. <laughs> And he'd be like, I just put some more money in my 401k. <laughs> my back hurts. And she'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> What's the age difference between you and your wife? Same age. Have you, did you ever go through a phase where you dated people much younger or older than you? Older. I always dated much older women. What's well, the biggest age span? When I was 19, I was dating a 40-year-old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, she was great. She was this corporate lawyer, very successful. And I was living in a flop house out in the Hamptons mm-hmm. with my brother and this Irish kid from Northern Ireland named Sean. And uh, we, we were sharing a one bedroom. <laughs> First two guys home went into the bedroom. 
and then the third guy had to sleep on this flea-ridden couch. We were covered in flea bites. Did someone have a dog or you just had fleas? No, a lot of beach places end up with fleas. Right. And so, uh, and you know, we didn't pay any money. We worked jobs at bars. Now, was this like for the summer you were yeah. in the ha- Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And it's a very East Coast kind of thing to do. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's cool. That, that, that's true. On the West Coast, kids don't, don't go anywhere. No, you just stay where you are. Yeah. And so these, these girls, the Palumbo sisters, there was like five condos around a pool. Mm-hmm. And they had like a three-bedroom condo for the two of them. And uh, one girl was a hairdresser from Queens. They're both from Queens. Thick accents, real Italian, olive skin and black hair. And, you know, they cooked. And they'd come out and they'd cook us these big meals, pasta and sausage. And then they'd like put it all in Tupperware when they left on Sunday. And we'd live off it for a couple days. How nice. And they had like a stocked bar of good booze. And mm-hmm. they'd come out and we'd just, and the, the five of us would just party. And then, uh, you know, they'd come Friday and leave Sunday. And uh, and then I started sleeping with the older one, and my older brother started sleeping with the younger one. Mm. And they'd come out, and they'd bring the New York Times, and we'd drink mimosas around the pool, and it just had a blast. And so um, the summer ended, and it was like Greece, you know, summer loving. <laughs> right. I celebrated her 40th birthday with her. And then uh, and then we kept in touch, and I'd, I'd see her once in a while. I'd come to New York, and we hook up again. It was nice. Did you ever want it to be more than what it was no that was the beauty of it did she that, ever want it to be more no than what it that's was? the thing about older women is you're kind of getting this understanding with them right. that uh you know this is all it i mean fuck i was i was obviously i was 19 yeah that's cool that'd be college. like if i were sleeping with a 19 year old which i cannot imagine although when i was 35 i i did not sleep with him but i had like a tiny a very brief fling with a 23 year old oral no, just just heavy making out. No petting. N- you petting, right. but not but not with our tongues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I remember my concern was that somehow this is this is the ridiculousness of a thirty five year old woman. I was concerned that somehow I was going to like hurt him because he was going to get you know he was going to be so enamored of me, and Easy. then my. Yeah, he's going to miss his Robinson, you. Or something. Because I was thinking how I would have been when I was 23 and it was an older guy. Yeah. Or when I was 23 and it was any age guy. You know, I just thought, I I hold all the cards because I'm the older one and he's obviously going to get wrapped up and, you know, don't fall in love with me. Mm. Then my friend Dustin, who um, regular listeners of the show know, sat me down and explained, like, no matter what, a 23-year-old guy, like, this is not going to work out well for you. It was, yeah. and uh, it was yeah, uncomfortable to listen to, are, but it was true. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think the younger guy is, uh, was he good looking? Yeah, he was, he was cute. Well, your not, voice just went up a couple <laughs> octaves. I know. Um, he was a big fan of me. He was not a fan, but he was, well, he kind of was a fan. Yeah. He was, he was super into me, and I just thought of him as like this kid, and then... It was really, it was weird when I think, it wasn't like he was this, and I'm also trying to think, could he ever be listening to this? Yes, possibly. Um, He's probably masturbating right now. Right. It wasn't like. about that petting. He was, it wasn't like I came across Brad Pitt and Thumb on Louise, and he was just this like strapping hunk. Yeah. He was cute. Yeah. And he was good looking, but that was not how it started. It How'd you stu- meet him? Um, how did I meet him? Was it like a show? A live show? 
he contacted me. I don't know if we had mutual friends. He contacted me and he wanted to interview me. Ah, that old move. Yeah. I sound, I don't respect myself when I tell stories like that. No, it's like you're being a dude. You know, I love it. You're like, here you are, a celebrity, and you're using you're using your juice. To I wasn't get a little... trying to. Well, you though. didn't fuck him, so how no. bad can you feel? I mean, I really don't. Do you regret that? I feel a little bit ashamed of it in really? a way. Yes, although he, like, my concern that I was somehow abusing my power or hurting him, he was just delighted, you know? Yeah. It, it was just fun for him. And yeah. it was also fun for me. Sure it was. But it was right before my 35th birthday, and I just, I don't know what the hell I was doing. That's kind of more, more it's just like, what were you doing? Like, mm. you were turning 35. He was a kid. He lived at home. Ew. I it's, just feel a little bit like Life ew. is hard for you because you, you take things very seriously. You don't do, do. A, you don't do anything with reckless abandon. You couldn't even just have like a fling with a young dude. Well, when I was 30, I had a fling with a 24-year-old, which in retrospect doesn't – oh, no. No. I wasn't 30, was I? Maybe I was. Like in retrospect, that doesn't sound like a huge age difference, but the time it felt – That is at the time. Yeah. 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 And you um, you made love to this gentleman? Yes, him I did several times. A few, a handful of times. Oh, he, you just he used was your hand. Really. <laughs> there was more than a handful, and we also had sex. And how was that? Good. I mean, I, did it feel like? Oh my god, I got a young buck who's really uh, giving it to me. Anal. <laughs> it wasn't anal. Um, it felt like regular. You yeah. Know? He was really cute, though. Ah. He was real cute. He was so cute that I didn't care about how young he was. And he uh-huh. also lived alone. Yeah. His mom might have owned the house, but she wasn't there. <laughs> and that was actually out on Long Island. And now I'm thinking, could he be listening? I don't think so. Um, and so I lived in the city, and I took a train out to, like, who knows where Long Island. It's pretty fun and glamorous. That's like, that's like foreplay. When you get on a train yes. and you take a car ride to go meet yeah. up with somebody, you're so ready to go when you right. get there. I know. It's a mission. So this is Massapequa. <laughs> or what was the other place? You're listening to Billy Joel. He was in a band. He was in a band and they played at a church. It's some place in Long Island that starts with a P. It'll come to me. Can you think of a P place? It was, it was very far away. P- Not Poughkeepsie or anything. No. P. I feel like it's one of the exits on the... Prockaway Beach? <laughs> no. Um, Although I have been to Rockaway Beach. Well, Rockaway Beach rocks. Isn't there a, a music venue on Rockaway Beach? There is a lot of playhouses and Oh yeah, there is a music venue because um uh uh what's her? Patty Smith lives there. Mm. And she's very part of the arts community there. She does theater and, you know, readings and music and it's a very and it's where I used to go as a kid cuz I I was in uh in the Bronx when I was a kid. And we used to go to Rockaway Beach with the family. My mother used to make me change on the beach holding a towel up. And I, you know, which is pretty normal. But I just remember being really humiliated by it. Yeah. But then last summer, I went out to visit a friend in Rockaway Beach. And it's so fucking cool. It's all these little bungalows. And, you know, everyone's got a surfboard out. And everybody knows each other. It's like right. a, just like block parties going on all the time. Do you miss the East Coast? So much. Like being in Boston this past weekend, riding a bike through the Cape for 20 mm-hmm. miles, 
cedar houses and people mowing their lawns and kids jumping on trampolines and people playing baseball. It's just like, oh, what am I doing in L.A.? I'm just fucking wasting my life. Do you think about moving back? I don't ever want to move again. <laughs> right, because you just did. Yeah, no, we're yeah. going to stay here for a long time. Even no, I, with the birds and the no cable? I could see living in Manhattan again with my wife once my kids are out mm-hmm. and once work is dried up out here for me. So we got a couple weeks. How is work going? So you did the pilot. Two pilots. Two pilots. Yeah, one was uh, Awkward Family Photos, right. which is this website, and we did a pilot of it. And then we did this other one called Fits My Life. Oh, nice. What we, is that? Well, it's me and people send in, uh, they need advice. And then I go out and I help them and I take them through different exercises and things to, you know, f- improve relationships. And That's things cool. Like that. Yeah. So How- we're, we're going out this month with both of them to, you know, networks and pitching them. Now, is Fits My Life something that um, you auditioned for? No, it's this little production company. And I'd worked with them on um, How to Be a Grown Up, which was mm-hmm. a show on True TV oh, that yeah. I did. And uh, so they, they just want to develop something for me. So they put this together and... Uh, great dudes. They're really talented. Daily Show guys. Oh, cool. So they know how to shoot on the fly and, you know, uh, very economical. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it your idea or theirs or together you guys came up with the idea? Uh, it started with them, but I'd say I had a lot of input on it, you know. But ultimately, you know, it's it's uh, they, they came up with it because I think Oprah or somebody has a segment called Fix My Life. Mm-hmm. E- Ionla Van Right. So it's a life, play yeah. off of that. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. So uh, so that's going on. And then, um, you know, hit, I've been on the road for five of the last seven weekends. So I'm happy to be home for the month of June. So I have a bunch of pitch meetings coming up. Really? I've never pitched a show before. No shit. And I was, I was thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I got to get your advice off mic. But maybe I just got to get your Let's advice on, on mic. mic. You may sell the show right here and now. Maybe I will. Although I have to say... In my, if I say anything that somehow damages the potential of a pitch, then I think in the contract they can take me out back and shoot me with an air rifle. Right. Um, so I can't give specifics. Okay. But anyway, what do you have advice for me? We are doing a practice pitch with the production company, which I've never done. Okay. I've never done a pitch at all. You 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 keep control of it. You do a podcast. You present yourself regularly. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. Don't let the production company go. And then we're going to give a 10-minute preamble and then introduce... No, this is you. Okay. They're buying you. We do have a, a we have something to play in the room that turned out really well. Shouldn't they watch it before you come in? I don't know. I don't, like, I know, the, I don't like the in-the-room viewing. Because then it's uncomfortable. What are you doing? And- what are you doing that whole time? You send it out, you have them watch it. I don't first, know if they've done that or not. I think they'll do it because, first of all, you don't want to be in a room where they're going to watch it and go, categorically, this isn't our programming. Right. So you'd rather they see it and go, this is in our wheelhouse, let's hear it. Mm-hmm. And then you go in and uh, just take control. Just go in there, flirt with the dudes, you know, become friends with the ladies, you know, have a, have a fucking solid story when you walk in. Should I tell them about how I changed my pubic hair? I like it. Do you like that one? If it's, it's- all women... <laughs> It's going to make the gay guy uncomfortable, though. Yeah. But I, I think would, I probably won't start with that one. I would say come up with, you know, you come up with a story about traffic on the 405 that sounds like it just happened, but you've okay. got to beat it out. Okay. You kill. And then you ease your way into it. You, a lot of nice small talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, make sure you know their programming on their channel and how your show relates to it. Right. Compliment them on the show. You're a big fan of such and such. You binge watched whatever their stupid show is. <laughs> and then, um, And then just... 
have fun with it. P- pitch the the key is you got to have a quick, you know, little paragraph that right. sells the show at the beginning. As quickly as you can turn it over to them, so they ask you questions. Their questions are going to tell you what they want. Okay, this they're going to say, "Now, do you see this as something that would have, uh, you know, uh, a remote segments with it?" And you go, "It's funny you say that. We were thinking that." You know, ask them at the beginning of the meeting, "What are you guys looking for these days?" Mm. Whatever it is, tweak it towards pivot. that on the fly. Pivot, okay. pivot. Great. Thank you, Greg Fitzsimmons. You got it. Have you done a lot of pitching? Many. I've sold a lot of shows. Just okay. now they never get made. Hey, no! at least you sell them. I know. Um, I live in a neighborhood where uh, people live in big houses and have never had their names scroll across a movie screen. I have so many screenwriter friends that have made tons of money just selling movie scripts. It really could be worse, you know? could be a lot worse. I might have to ask you more questions when we're done. Okay. Off, off mic. Okay. So I uh, asked people if they would like to ask us some advice questions. And it turns out you have an advice show. So this is perfect. Perfect. Okay. So uh, a couple Life questions advice. came in. Let me find them. Now, we don't have a song for advice, do we? we do, I mean, we've got topics. Advice. Give me advice. When we ask, we send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These advice. questions from our fans advice. Close enough It works, yes Yeah. Okay Osama A says Hello Allison When should one compromise? Like should you aim for per- perfection Or learn to compromise? Pertaining to life goals, relationships My overflowing email inbox, etc Big question. It is a very big question. I think with age, you start to have more clarity about what you really need to make yourself happy. Yes. I think the excitement of youth is not really knowing yet, so you shoot for the stars with every. That's why people don't generally get married in their early 20s. And, and they shouldn't. And it's you very often aren't doing the job you're meant to do in your 20s. Right. But whatever job you're doing, you go for it 100%. And then only through that not working, maybe part of it works, and you go, oh, I need to go in that direction. And I think the same with relationships. Jump in with both feet, Mm -hmm. love, travel, explore, do anal. (laughs) Right. But do it passionately. Do coke together. Really? Do Molly together. Go to a three-day concert. Go all in, and then you'll know faster that it's not the right. If you travel with somebody, you'll know very quickly if you're meant to be with That's them. That's true. Have you ever done Molly? I never have. I have not. I No, I did it, but it was called Ecstasy back then. Okay. Yeah, I've never done Ecstasy either. Mm. I think it's the same thing. I I think Molly's like a more pure version right. of it. Yes, that sounds about right. But yeah, I feel like I missed the window on that one. I don't know. My friends, I know you're trying to get pregnant, so you can't do that shit I now. am pregnant. What? Mm-hmm. Give me a high five. You fucking little whore. That's great. <laughs> you did it. I did it. Yeah. When, when have you when did you announce? Um on as you and I are sitting here recording this, I announced it on an episode that will air tomorrow. So I haven't Holy it hasn't aired shit. yet. Yeah. Allison. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy for Thank you. Thank you. Good. Yes. Um I think shortly after I saw you. We had the first embryo transfer, yeah, and it worked, which wow. is like, I mean, that's how the whole process is supposed to work, but I just, 
along the way, everything seemed to be taking longer than it than I expected and was harder. So I just was kind of prepared for it not to work. Yeah. And then lo and behold, it did. And tomorrow I find out if it's one or two, which is very <sighs> overwhelming because twins, <laughs> if I do have twins and they one, one day hear this, I love both of you equally, except for one of you. But no, I love both of you equally. But... Um, the intention at the beginning was not necessarily twins. It, it, it actually definitely wasn't twins. They recommended putting in three embryos just mathematically. We insisted on just two, just to avoid the possible outside chance of triplets. So we put in two and it's like, if you get one, you're lucky. But now it looks like it actually might be two. So that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of kids. We'll see. Do you think... If you have two kids, like you have a lot of love to give. Yes. If you have one kid, that kid's getting all that love. Right. If you have two kids, are they getting 50% of that amount of love that you had? That's a good question. Because you only have so much to give. Right. You ha- you have a f- The way it works is you have a finite amount of love to give. Love and time are the same. Right. Um, I guess that is how it works. No, I don't think so. I think you have... I think they are all loved equally. However, I I think the love is the same. However, the amount of time and the attention is always split. Like your twins, if you have twins, they never get that I'm the only child thing. Then again, a second child never gets that either. Yeah, but the second child had it at one point, so they knew what it felt like. Whereas the twins never knew different than right. this is the amount of love that I get. That's which, true. Which is fine. Yeah, then. maybe that's good because I love my, my younger sister to death, but I know that when she was born, that was hard for me. Yeah. Because I had been, you know, the only little little person around right. until the time that she was born. Yeah. So, so maybe you're right. Are you thinking about going cute with the names since they're <laughs> twins? <sighs> no. My friend Tom Cotter, mm-hmm. who's from Boston or Rhode Island, so there's that accent. Named his two kids. Ready for this? I'm ready. I'm sitting down. Harry and Cam. Cam Cotta and Harry Cotta. But though, that's is the, is there some cuteness that like I'm not like camcorder? Oh. <laughs> and Harry Potter. Harry Cotta. Oh 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 wow! I thought you meant cute in the way they relate to each other, like. No. Celery and Sterling or something. No, I um, guess it doesn't have to do with twins, but they happen to be twins. Right. Are you going to go same letter? Not intentionally, except that if they're both girls, a couple of the girl names I like both start with the same letter. Yeah. And also, their last name will be Quants, which is my husband's last name. And I'm a big fan of alliteration between the first name and the last name. He is not, though. Right. Kelly Quants. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of K or K names that I, I personally, I'm just going to throw this out there because my husband will leave me before this happens. I really like the name Quinn for a oh, boy or yeah. a girl. Quinn Quants. And he's like, there's Quinn no, Quants, he's no. not, he said, there's no way. Quinn Quants. Yeah. Well, that and also. That's Zach's uh, daughter's name. Zach. Oh, I don't know. Galifianakis. It's Quinn. It is. I like the name a lot. Mm. But apparently there's a lot of – kids can have a lot of fun with quants. Like apparently they can turn quants into queef real fast. I didn't even know the word queef when I was a kid. Sure. Queef comes out of the muff. Right. Queef quants. 
<laughs> so terrible. Anyway, yeah. I like the name Quinn, but I don't. I think I'm losing that battle. No, you are. You're I've, losing that. I've I'll step it. in on that. You will. Okay. Yeah. But Quinn's a good name. It's a if great it, name. If it was a different last name. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh well. But. Well, congratulations. Thank you so, so much. So your breasts are going to start to get bigger. Have you felt it yet? Not yet. Um, but what are you any now, day like now. a 36C? No, I'm more like a 34, 36B. B. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go up to a solid C. Yeah. May I'll, go up I'll to 36. Let you know when that happens. Yeah. Excited. You excited about that? My breasts getting bigger? Yeah. Actually, I'm not specifically excited about that. Okay. Um, no, I'm I'm sort of afraid of all the body changes that yeah. are going to happen. They're temporary. I know. Just walk a lot while you're pregnant. It'll come off so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, just... And you got to eat proteins like a motherfucker. I want you eating fish, certain types of fish, not all right. fish. Because there's all sorts of like, you're not supposed to eat this, you are supposed yeah. to eat that. Young fish, ones that they catch young. And uh, green, leafy, all the time, every day turkey like you should have you should have 40 grams of fat every day 40 grams of protein every day okay you know eggs i eat a lot of cheese turkey um you know you don't add a lot of fat but you can you can have the proteins right but yeah certain vegetables are really great too and brain it really helps with brain development for the baby a lot of studies say green leafy vegetables and uh and the proteins help the brain okay i'm on it yeah all right. So my response to this question about uh, compromising, when should you compromise? I, I was thinking about this. And here's, this is sort of uh, ephemeral, but here's what I would say. If the thing you're considering compromising about, if it makes you feel dead inside, if you feel like dread or loss or just like your soul is dying, then that's an indication that that is a decision you shouldn't make. Yeah. And you have to ignore the thing that's alluring you to do it. Well, if that's the if if on the other hand you're considering doing something and it excites you, but intellectually you're like, but this is not exactly what I want. Right. Maybe I should hold out for the other thing. Then I say that is a case where you do compromise. Like basically and I'm saying it. like, yeah, like right. go listen to what your body is telling you. If your body is saying like, hell no. You're not going to be happy in that situation. Like I know a lot of people who stay in relationships that they're unhappy in because they don't want to be the person that can't commit. Right. And it's like if you are deeply unhappy in a relationship or if the idea of marrying someone feels like a death of sorts to you, that's not going to turn out well. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard because when you're in a good place, you trust your gut. Right. And sometimes you're in an insecure place and you're you're making decisions out of fear. Yes. So I think the key is you got to step back and get yourself right. right. Go do some yoga, right. do whatever it is that makes you feel confident. Do that first and then come back to the decision. Right. I know that when I was living in New York, um, I was applying for different jobs at magazines and there was one that I really wanted. I re- like the magazine was prestigious and fun. Playboy? Yes. <laughs> uh, and I really wanted to work there. And I got offered a job at a different magazine but wh- where I also was excited to work, but it wasn't the like, oh my God, of, of the other one. And I contacted, I knew that I had turned in a really good application or edit test or whatever it was to the other magazine. 
So I contacted the editor and let him know that I'd received a job offer, um, but you know I was really interested in the other magazine. And he said that they really like me, but they're not going to be able to make the decision until like two months later yeah. or something. You know, like they just for whatever they have to go through all the everything's, but they have a very positive feeling about me. Yeah. Or like he feels like it, you know, could go my way, but no guarantee. He didn't say no guarantee, but it was clear there was no guarantee. So I debated it for a while and I chose the job that presented itself. Bird in the hand. Yes, exactly. Because I couldn't stand the idea that I say no to that job and then suddenly I have nothing. Yeah. And also to be in a position where you're in limbo for that long. Right. It's bad for your psyche. Right, right. And... I didn't feel, I mean, so that was a situation where I was compromising because it wasn't my dream job. At the same time, I was not of an age where you, I mean, I think I was about 30 then. So you usually don't have your dream job at that age anyway. Especially when you're banging some (laughs) 26-year-old. Exactly, 24. Um, So I, uh, was I 29? I can't remember. But anyway, I took, yeah, I compromised, but it was definitely the right thing to do. But if I was like, I can't, okay, I also tempt for a period of time. And that was the kind of compromise where I was like, I can't stand this. I yeah. hate this, per- the particular temp thing that I was doing. Like, I hate it. I want to kill myself. I can't stand going to work. I feel like, what, like I'm, there's no point in me being here. There's too many of us and none of us are doing anything. Now, obviously, a lot of times you have to do stuff that you don't enjoy for money. But there were other things I could have done at that time. So I stopped temping and I just kind of redoubled my efforts to do other things. But yeah, so I think that you'll know whether the compromise is, is one that is sort of a means to an end or if it's something where you're just punishing yourself. But I think the default is, and I just watched this great documentary last night called um, The... Um, it's about the, the backup bands that used to play in... Oh, uh, um, the, uh, this, the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. Oh, yeah, I had that really guy. Really good documentary. I had, um, oh, did you really? On my show. The Why guy's son? I... Denny Tedesco. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So I have was... pregnancy brain. I'm going to blame it all on that. And there was uh, one, of the, one of the musicians was saying that, you know, because back then those guys worked. They'd be at a session at 7 in the morning, another one at noon, then they'd do a commercial one at 4, and then they'd, then they'd have the Beach Boys come in at midnight. And they said, but you didn't turn down work because it was a bunch of other guys waiting for it. Right. And he said, and when they called and offered you a job, there was some guys that thought about it and go, nah, I'm going to hold out for this other thing. And then, and then people stopped calling you and you're, people, you're not in people's consciousness. So, you know, work begets work. And, you know, uh, it, it's, I had, I just watched that and then I got a call today about doing a, a writing job. It was a short term writing job. And I didn't like the the conditions of it, and it was so I really thought hard about it. And what they were asking me to do was beyond what I was comfortable doing for the money. And so why? Well, what what part made you uncomfortable? They wanted ideas to pitch, Mm. you know, like a production company, but I wasn't going to have ownership over stuff. Yeah. And so originally the idea was they had one show they wanted me to help punch up, which is fine. But then it sort of spilled into that. And I was thinking about that movie, and I was like, all right, just take the fucking job. I mean, it was good money for a couple days. Right. And, uh, and I thought about it, and then um, and so I just texted the guy, and I said, look, I'm uncomfortable with this part, but I do the other part. And he said, yeah, 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 that's fine. Oh, good. Done. But 
Normally, I would have just said no. Right. And instead, I went, no, you got to work. You got to always work because this is a production company and I've worked for them before. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, and I want to, you want these relationships because the thing about the entertainment business is you really, it really only comes down to a handful of people that you make relationships with and they continually bring you in because they know they can count on you. you. You have a relationship, they like you. And, you know, there's a thousand places where you're not going to get work. But if there's four or five where you are, you're good. Right. So, you know, any relationship that you can foster with maybe throwing them a bone and doing something a little bit, as long as you know in the big picture there's good jobs in it, you just, uh, you know, you try to... Try to keep working. It's true. I think that people can definitely be too precious with the like, I don't I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. And it's like yeah. everyone could stand to push themselves a little more. In fact, the last time you were on the show, I had just gotten an email asking if I wanted to do an early morning appearance the next day, mm. which I didn't really want to do. Oh, that's right. Do. I remember. Yeah. You're going back and forth. Yeah. And then I you advised- I told you don't. You told, no, you told me to do it. Oh, I did. That's yeah. right. That's right. I don't even know if it was early morning. It was just something that didn't appeal to me. Yeah. And you told me to do it because you're like, you you want to be associated with that brand. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, okay. So I said I would do it. Um, and then it turned out they said they would find another date. And then yeah. I, I wondered if the fact that I had waited that long made them not want me. But I don't think that's what it was, I think. But anyway, now um, that particular brand is out of business anyway. So yeah, serves them right. I just wrote a, some blogs. Mm-hmm. I had a website reach out to me and ask me to write some, some blogs. About what? Parenting. Nice. So I wrote two, you know, like seven, eight hundred word essays. And... Um, then they said, we'll print as many as you can write. And it's good money. So I wrote a third and I sent it in and they haven't acknowledged getting it hmm. and I haven't been paid on the other ones. And all of a sudden I realized like, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> right. With their good money offer. Right. There was I mean, no, I have no contract. anything or anything? Keep it light. Is it a real website? Sure. Well, then I'm sure you'll get paid. I'm sure I'll get, sure paid. get paid. It's just a weird feeling. And and if they're listening, I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying it's very weird that I never that we never made a, a written agreement. Right, yeah. It's very strange. Usually there would... Well, not with a blog, it's so informal. I'm sure you'll right. get paid. And listen, if anyone who's going to be receiving the pitch that I'm going to be doing is listening, my hilarious... I was in traffic on the 405. And if I charm you... That's not anything other than what I normally would do. I'm just going to come be myself. I don't even know what advice Greg gave me. You're okay. not going to charm them. I'm not going it's to? all about charming them. No, I am going to oh, charm good. them. Oh, good. I don't want them to They're think- They're buying you more than the idea. I don't want- What I'm saying is I don't want them to think, oh, she's charming us because someone told her she had to do that. I want I them think- to know that I am charming them because I am naturally charming. I think that- it's a fun situation, and they make it nice. You you sit down, they give you a bottle of water. You know, they come in and they're well dressed and good looking, and the office is gorgeous, and they want to know about you, and they laugh really easily. Oh, good! It's a very positive. You actually usually walk out feeling really confident. And good, okay, good. Even if you don't sell it. Can I tell you something about my breasts, Greg? Yeah. Now, when you said thirty six C, I said no. I think I'm more of like between thirty four and thirty six B. Right. But I realized something. Yeah. I actually wear a 36C bra. Yeah. I have I think been. That's what I guessed, right? Yes. 
So in a in a way, you were right. Yeah. The truth, though, is from the times I've been met, the time or times I've been measured, I've been told, oh, you really should be wearing a 34B. Yeah. You like a little, Unless well, it's I, like your shirts. You, you like, I like things a little, a little bit loose. Yes. Unless, no. And for a second, I was like, it's or. Like your muff. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Here's another question. This one is eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Advice question. I'm loud and proud about being an ostomate. Parentheses. I have a bit of intestine outside my abdomen and wear an ostomy bag to collect poo. I have. <laughs> it's. That's not true. It's, it's true. It's. I, I already vetted it. It's true. Hang on. You're going to feel bad for laughing because it's true. I have no butthole and cannot fart. <laughs> But my husband thinks it's a secret. Discovered this when I tweeted a statue I'd ostomy bombed. Okay, so then she included the photo, but the photo didn't print. It's this um, statue of like two figures, and they're both wearing little ostomy bags. So I don't know if she did that in Photoshop, or I don't know if she actually put them on the statues and took a photo. But anyway, Um, discovered this when I tweeted a statue I'd ostomy bombed, and he said, hey, my coworkers follow you. How... Okay, so the question is, how can we respect one another's positions? So then I wrote back to her. Wait, what were the different positions? Well, she's open and proud and, you know, public about the fact right. that she has an os- she's an ostomate, which is a- was a word I was not familiar with. And her husband, like, thinks, thinks it should be a secret, basically. Got it. Okay. So anyway, I wrote back and I said, um, so I did a little Googling. And then I wrote back and I said that I wasn't familiar with the, the term ostomate. Um, were you born with a bit of intestine on the outside and did you have surgery? Because what I read is an ostomate has usually had a surgery to create um, a stoma, like to create an opening. That Anyway, okay, she wrote back, thank you for your interest. So I said, have you had surgery or surgeries? So she wrote back, thank you for your interest, surgeries. They took my colon in 97 and fashioned a fake one out of upper intestine and cured me of ulcerative colitis, only to learn that I had Crohn's disease. Oh, Jesus. I had a temporary ostomy through my junior year of high school and then got reconnected. Trying to figure out how that would work. Okay, I think I get it. I suffered with inflammation for 15 years and finally got those bits removed in February and now have a permanent ostomy. My husband has been so game and positive and grateful for the new healthy woman I've become, but doesn't want anyone to know the reason for my new lease on life. Um, I still have most of, and then she added, I still have most of my small intestine and can eat nearly everything I could before except peppers. And as a vegetarian, my output or poo doesn't stink. I'm still, I'm still stuck on the word husband in that one. Good for her and good for him. I mean, a lot of guys wouldn't, uh, she, he must really love her. She's really pretty. That's gross. (laughs) I mean, not, not, you know, I'm not saying anything that, you know, you're, your asshole is what part of the body you think it comes out of? Like her stomach? Somewhere on the abdomen. Do you believe he makes love to her in that hole? God damn. No. I mean, that's anal for him. <laughs> if they took Molly, I guarantee. Because it's like but owning it. It would feel good for her. Like anal. How do you know? I don't think. You know what? I'm pr- trying to protect her. Maybe it would. Maybe that's what they're into. I just suspect that that would not be a, you know, I don't even, 
I'm uncomfortable. All right. Well, Maybe I'm just... wrong. I don't want to like put down someone's sexual thing they're into. Right. They might be into it. I mean, look. My, my hunch is that it would not be entirely safe. Right. But I also think that it's like you have to own it. Like, I forget what the movie was, but, um, but like the, the, like if you say you had a horrible birthmark on your face okay. and it was something you were ashamed of and All then right. somebody really fell in love with you and they kissed it. That would, it would make me cry. I'm going to cry just hearing you talk about that. Because they love you that much and yeah. they own it. Right. So by fucking her colostomy <laughs> hole. Jesus. Don't you think that's a way of saying I, I not only accept you, I celebrate you? Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. Good point. Anyway, I think it's amazing. It's an amazing story. And, um, you know, and I think that she should own it because as a comedian, that's always been my MO is like if I have a hemorrhoid, I talk about it. If mm-hmm. I have erectile dysfunction, I talk about it because by doing it, you can mitigate the shame. Right. You know, and I think that if people are uncomfortable with that, you know, that's really on them. And I think if you present it in a way that you first you have to accept it before mm-hmm. you put it out there. Right. Which she seems to have. Yes. She's already there. Right. And then I think it's a way of. You know, letting people, you're vulnerable. You let somebody know that. And, um, you know, and, and I think that they, the, the, the connection and the relationship gets deeper when you can be like that with people. But what about the fact that her husband doesn't seem on the same page regarding, yeah, tell everyone. Because he, because when she tweeted a photo which revealed it, he said, hey, my coworkers follow you. I think that's a journey he needs to take. Yeah, I think, I kind of think. Usually I'm not in favor of being like, in gen- in relationships, I don't think I'm usually in favor of being like, look, this is just how things have to be. But I think given all she's overcome, if her comfort, if her comfort zone is to be public about it, I think it'd be great if he could come around to realizing that that helps her. I think so. You and know. helps other people who are going through it too. Because he has to know how ashamed she probably feels about it. And maybe she doesn't feel ashamed though. Like we're using that word, but maybe she doesn't. She's hot? She's yeah, she's pretty. You got a picture of her? I don't have it in front of me, but she sent this to me on Facebook, so yeah. I was able to check well, her out. Good for her. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, it's amazing what what we, how much we take for granted like the things you complain about in your yes. life. Crohn's disease, you know? I mean, she can't, on top of it? She can't fart. Like maybe that's a good thing. I like, enjoy Where does farting. the gas go? Maybe it comes out of the. I don't know. That's a teehee. I'm gonna have to write. I'm gonna have to write back and ask. Congratulations! You've made two noises in the entire podcast. One of them was a fart. No, the other one was her husband asking if she does hand. No, right. <laughs> I'll let you know, Mr. Fitzsimmons. That is a very popular drop on this. It show. is. People want it to be a ringtone. Let's hear it again. <laughs> teehee. <laughs> <laughs> I think in general that That's an summarizes- asshole that does not have a hemorrhoid. That's a clean, tight asshole. Oh, how do hemorrhoids affect your farts? It, it, uh, it's like, you know, when uh, Louis Armstrong would put that bell in the cone of his trumpet? Mm-hmm. The mute? The mute. Yeah. I think they call it a cone, don't they? I think they call it a mute. A mute? Do they call it a cone and a mute? I don't know. Find out, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, there's a, it gives it a little bit of character coming out. If I have to fart during the interview, I will do it please, on mic. Please, please let me know. Are you comfortable know. with that? I'm more than comfortable okay. with it. I'm into it. Do you and your wife fart in front of each other? Yeah. I okay. fart a lot. I think I have a problem. It's been like this for a decade. What do you make of it? Um, smells. 
<laughs> no, but I mean, what kind of problem? Well, I think we, I had Giardia at one point in my life. And then ever since the Giardia, it's still been in there. And I've heard Giardia can stay with you for the rest of your life. Is that and a live parasite? In your intestines. Yeah. So I've got to go in and get my first colost- uh, colostomy. Co- colonoscopy? Colonoscopy. Mm. And apparently, the uh, thing that you take that flushes out your system uh-huh. can sometimes get rid of this gut disease. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I'm hoping that, that there's some progress there. Do they give you, do you know what kind of anesthesia they give you for colonoscopy? I think you it can might... go local if you want. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going under. Like where you're going to be asleep for the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, so they use general. I thought that they give you Versed. Which is the drug, it's a benzodiazepine, or diazepam, I don't know, it's one of those, it just relaxes the shit out of you, it's the thing they give you before general anesthesia, and it's something that I've become somewhat addicted to with all my egg retrievals. Wait, so what are my options here? What's the most fun option? You think I should go with that? If they give you, if, if Versed is an option... I would, I would personally, but then go you're with that. you're awake for the procedure. But you you're are, really groggy. but you could not be more relaxed, and also you don't remember things very well. I'm or, gonna... at, or if they're just going to put you under, just have them give you, tell them you're anxious, so they'll give you Versed first, and then just try to like get the Versed for as long as possible before yeah. they knock you out. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm going to go Versed. That sounds good because I had a, I had a little addiction to. Um, uh, barbiturates for a little while. Well, which ones? Whichever ones I could get. Vicodin, hydrocodone. Uh, yeah. Are those barbiturates? Those are opiates. Opiates. I had a problem with opiates. I see. Probably about a year. It started with shoulder surgery. Ah. And you'd be amazed. I had three different doctors writing me constant At the same time? At the same time. Nobody checked with anybody. That's so fucked. And then you start hitting friends' medicine cabinets. Without their knowing. If you're a friend of mine and you think you've got a little uh, Percocet for a rainy day, <laughs> think again. twice. Wow. How much were you taking at a time? Not a ton. I would take, you know, three a day maybe, mm-hmm. but I didn't need it. Right. And it went on for like a year. And it's, Did your wife know? Mm, not really. I mean, I think she knew I took it a little bit, but- And you're a sober person. That's a thing. Yeah. And so I felt the addiction of it. And then when I went off it, holy shit, even with that small amount, mm. when you stop taking it, you go dark. What happened? What'd you feel? Oh, suicidal. Wow. Yeah, on the edge of suicidal. Really, wow. really bad. Because what, what happens is your uh, receptors for um, endorphins become clogged because yeah. what's happening with the opiates is they, they give you a false uh, high. Right, right. And it, they get clogged up. And so the real so endorphins can't, can't get it. in yeah. there. So you feel no form of happiness whatsoever. Mm. And for you how got long? A few days. I mean, it depends on how long you've been on them. I mean, th- I think for me it was two days probably. Right. But they were they were dark days. Did you get any help? Did you feel like you needed to no. get help? No. Yeah. No, it was never that bad. But it was definitely like as somebody who has addiction issues, I was hyper aware right. of it. Right. And playing with fire. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm afraid to even get this surgery, but I feel like, all right, I got to get something because they're going up my asshole. But this will be the first time in 10 years that I take anything. Well, you could just have the propofol, which is like it just turns- That's the Michael Jackson stuff. Yes, but you don't, you just all of a sudden you're awake and then you're not anymore. Like it just turns your lights out. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, there's no, there's no pleasure If I start enjoying it, then it's going to- then all Back of a sudden the they're going to be chest. up your asshole. Can I use all your bathroom time. real quick? Yes. It's totally kidding. Okay, I, I know. And I was like, "What's in the medicine cabinet in there?" 
<laughs> okay, let's. Oh, did you find out about the um, the hemorrhoid in your trumpet? <laughs> it is called a mute. Sorry well, to have to be we, right. Yeah, who who get who pays who around here? That's what I want to know. Let's follow um, the money trail on that. But my dad played trumpet, so I actually know. I come by it honestly. Was that loud in the house? He had a mute. <laughs> Sometimes it was loudish. Yeah. Let's uh let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Bruised by Dawn says the breakfast shake has to be the least satisfying, most hunger-inducing meal ever. I agree. I don't even think I've ever had a breakfast shake. I love them. Really? And you find them to be filling? Absolutely. The key is you got to throw uh, throw a little bit of granola in there. Oh. Put in a banana, some frozen fruit, and uh, greens. You know, mm-hmm. you can get green powder. Right. Throw the green powder in there, a little yogurt. Is this your everyday breakfast? I did it for a while. And um, it really, I, I was fine. I was fine with that. I, my, my feeling is if I eat something sweet first thing in the morning, it's going to make me more hungry than if I don't. Mm. That's just my sense though. Jeff, breakfast shake? I actually had a breakfast shake for lunch today. I threw some carrots in it, threw a banana in it, and some ground flax seeds. Look at you Fills guys. It out nicely. Pictures what kind of, of a juicer are you using? Um, I just have an old... Uh, wearing blender. You just oh, it's a blend. You just throw it in the blender. Yeah, it's just a blender. Yeah, yeah. pain in the ass to clean those things, though, huh? This one's not too bad. Well, if you get to it right away before anything starts to sit, yeah. you just wash it out, and it, it right. comes out pretty easy. Good lunch, man. Do you have a juicer? We have a juicer we've never used. Um, no, I think uh, we just blend. We use the blender. Okay, but you know they've got the new. <clears throat> I think it's a Costco. They've got some kind of a really good, you know, feeder from the top kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yes. Brow Advisor says, feel weird if I copy some text and don't immediately paste it, like it's going to disappear from the clipboard. Yes, I have that too. Mm. Do you ever have this specific computer kind of thing? You go to paste something thinking that it's the thing you just copied and it said it's like an entire email that you had. Yeah. And then it's in the subject line of something. Right. That's a real bummer. Okay. Panda Elephant 13 says, feel personally violated and offended in car when assholes get in front of me with no turn signal. Fuck non-signalers. I think it it really drives me crazy and I have to resist my impulse to then get them back by going in front of them and doing the same thing. Right. I've evolved to where I don't do that anymore, but it's just, it's it's really dangerous. I mean, the turn signal prevents most accidents. Don't be a douche. Don't be a douche. I had an experience where I was trying to merge and two guys would not let me in and they were both, it was weird. I was like, am I seeing double? Because they were both in the exact same car and they were both old guys who looked kind of the same. Mm. It was two exactly the same black Mercedes at the time, I committed it to memory, and it's since gone. I want to say like SL500. I don't know if that is mm-hmm. a car. And they were both like 6570. And just they were one in front of the other. And it made like, are they in some kind of club together mm-hmm. where they don't want someone to get in the middle of their Mercedes party? Right. I don't know. It was very strange. I would say They were this. the exact same asshole. 
I would say this, and I, I, I apologize if you drive one, but pickup truck drivers are the most aggressive, non-compliant people on the road. They Yeah, they're mavericks. You can, you can signal, you can wave your arm. They won't fucking do it. There's always a forearm on the window. Yes. And there's always some kind of bumper sticker you disagree with. Yes. And they don't let you in. Yes. And if you live outside of a major city, drive a goddamn pickup truck. I'd buy one. Mm -hmm. But if you live in Los Angeles and you got a pickup truck, I know that that bed is squeaky clean because you use it like Christmas tree (laughs) and divorce. That's the only two times you're putting shit in the bed of your pickup truck. I agree wholeheartedly. Jeff, have you ever had a pickup truck? I've never owned a pickup truck. I came from a family of pickup truck owners, but that was in the sticks with lots of hauling of manure and broken machinery and things like that. Um, But yeah, the Giants urban pickup truck owners... Mm. They can fuck. They're off. out to. They're out yeah. to prove something, right? James Leroy Wilson says, "I don't know if Casey is a nickname for Case, or if Case is a nickname for Casey, or if they're two distinct names. Um, I don't know anyone named Case. Case Quants. Case Quants. Case and Quinn Quants. I've named my twins. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's triplets, Case Casey and Quinn, and Quincy quadruplets. Um, do you know anyone named Case?" I know Chris Case. No, I would think Case is a nickname for Casey. That's I'm I'm going. With I could that. see it going either direction, but I I have to say I'm I'm having a little bit of whiplash right now, going from maybe the greatest piece of email of all time about the uh, so she doesn't have a butthole and she can't fart to Casey and Case. Like what happened? Well, look, it's like once in a lifetime that you get an email like that. Yeah. I happened to just today put out, you know, a message that I'm taking advice questions and it just came right away. And yeah. I was like, I've struck gold. I, I am they so can jealous never be you that got good. that piece of mail. I, you all, I think you might have wanted to close with that. Oh, Not yeah. to tell you how to do your podcast because no, you do a right. beautiful job. Not as beautiful as if I'd closed with that. Yeah, maybe. Well, look, we just got to slog through these, these <laughs> butthole having... <laughs> JMOs. Spoiled brats. Danny Deegan says, just me or everyone, kids call stuffed animals stuffies now. We used to call all stuffed animals teddy bears, even dogs and giraffes. Look, I'm trying not to see these through your disappointed eyes now because I see what you're saying. Like there's a giant drop off from like no butthole. Yeah. Like there's a there's a thirty percent piece of my brain that's still going back to which aspect of it whether they have sex in the in the hole or just the I whole think thing. it's an emotional response to somebody whose life is so dominated by something and then comes out with it and shares right. it that's powerful to it me, is yeah you know um, to uh, but I will address the stuffed animal okay. Thing. I just went to Houston and I was playing at a club and I'm staying at the biggest hotel in town. It's a Hyatt. It's fucking huge. And uh, the first day I show up, I see uh, three people dressed up as stuffed animals. And I was like, wow, that's fucking weird. Right. Next morning, I come down to New Morning Radio. There's about 50 of them. Mm. By that afternoon, the hotel is filled with a, fl- I think it's called a furry, furry. Yeah. furry convention. And it's the biggest furry convention in the country. Wow. And these people are dressed as like unicorns and a lot of like deer and, you know, and they're cute as hell. The quality is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, 
this is annoying. I'm going to hate these people. They hug each other. I would mm. hug them. You can walk <laughs> up and hug them. All you got to do is say, can I hug you? And they wrap their big, furry, soft arms around you. Nice. And uh, and they were fun and nice, and they weren't drinking a lot. And, and, I, and apparently, there's like a sexual side to it. Oh, I think there's mostly a sexual side oh, to it. Oh, is that right? I think so. Yeah. 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 So um, I was impressed. I was impressed. And they were all super nerdy, like spectrumish. Like sure. we were on the elevator at one point and somebody goes, uh, can you hit eight? And then another person goes, can you hit four? And the first one goes, four, half of eight. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's right, Fluffy. That's right. Uh so when I was growing up, we called them stuffed animals. We did mm. not call them all teddy bears. This is sort of like how certain parts of the country, they call all kinds of soda Coke. Pop. Yes. Oh, they do. They call it Coke, actually. Yeah. I don't know where that is, but I've heard I've heard that, yeah. that is the case. But yeah, I guess stuffed animals are now called stuffies. Um, is, is that it what, shaped like a rectum or is it look, does it look like a stint? It looks like a slit. Looks like a slit. Yeah. Okay. I believe. That's okay. from my Googling. I right. Googled stoma, and then I kind of like braced myself. Because sometimes yeah. when you Google something, you aren't expecting a bunch of... And then suddenly you're hit in the face with photos. Yeah. No photos came up, but yeah. I read that it was like a slit-shaped okay. opening. Yeah. Got it. If it was shaped like a rectum, like what are you imagining? Like a Spider. Mm. Like because if it's a circle... Right, no. It either has to be a slit. But even with the slit, there's going to be some notching on the sides. Give me some wrinkling. And what color? Probably skin color because it's in your skin. And she's saying it has no fecal smell? She's saying her feces does not smell. Huh. Or do you think she's gone nose blind, which is a thing I'm now concerned about from watching commercials? Have you heard this term? No. It's where your house smells, but you're not aware because of nose blindness. I could see that because our new house has like a really uh, musty smell. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, smell the sink. Don't you smell? I go, I stopped smelling. I really did. You went nose I, I did. I <laughs> went nose. That's so funny you bring that up. I said it to her last night. I go, I stopped acknowledging smells in here. Yeah. Um, this house sounds like it's really not working out for you. It is in the sense that we're going to live there. It's a work in progress. <laughs> right. You know, we're just going to continue working on it until it's right because we don't have a choice. Yeah. But and it's a great name. It's not a cul-de-sac. It's got roses and a white picket fence. Like how far from your old place is it? One mile. Okay, gotcha. You were at my old place. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this about the uh, smell blindness: is that her slit? I'm not. Sure, we don't know where it's located. I'm thinking ab. Based on the photo she sent of the statues with. Um, oh, you know what? I could show you on my because phone. because if you think about it, the asshole is located as far from the nose as it possibly can be. Without Unless being it was on your on leg, your feet, yeah, but but you can't. That's not where your that's not where your guts are. Correct. But the asshole is down and away from the nose on purpose. Okay, here's the a photo of the statues that she quote unquote ostomy bombed. Oh, so it's in her abdomen. Yeah, yeah, abdomen, Ad, abdomen, abdomen, biscotti. <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on, if possible. Robert Paulson says, a mild panic sets in when tweeting and the word count turns red, but I haven't made my point or joke yet. Mm. Yes, try doing that. And then also you are planning to upload a photo to your tweet. You're fucked. 
Oh, how many spaces does a photo take up? I don't actually know, but it takes some. Right. And do you think that during a bowel movement she pushes or it's just more of like That's a what I was wondering. Leaking- I was wondering sort of like a bag that collects urine. No, that's not what I mean. Like a um, like is it passive or active when she moves right, her bowels? That is what I'm wondering. Like with um, what is that called? Like I've seen people have you, uh, like after surgery if there's something a, a drain. Is that what I'm yeah. thinking of a drain? Like yeah. I've seen people who have that and it just kind of just collects. Yeah. Into a bag. Um, why? Are you, why are you not booking her on the show at this point? She's in like Sweden. No, or... so you do a, do a Kickstarter campaign. That's true. That would be a great Kickstarter campaign. Did you know from my Googling, there are dating sites and communities for Ostimates exclusively? I could see that. Yeah. I, do you think it's ex- exclusive to Ostimates or can Fetishists also join? I don't know, actually. Because I may have become one. <laughs> What if you're what? Maybe I'm a postmate, which is where you're just obsessed with postum. Yeah, wish I hadn't said that. Well, because you know, there's furries, and then there's also uh, uh, fluffies. Fluffies. What are fluffies? Are people that fuck stuffed animals? There's like three different within this world. There's like three different distinctions, mm-hmm. and one is when people dress up as stuffed animals and fuck each other. One is when you fuck an actual stuffed animal, and then there's like another category. When you let a stuffed animal fuck you, maybe. Which right? Which appeals most to you? If you if you were gonna be one of them, I have fucked a stuffed animal. Oh, as a teenager, what was it? It was a bear. It didn't matter. I mean, I wasn't in character on it. I was just oh, I putting know. something soft around my penis. Did you make a hole in the bear? Yes. Okay. It was a small hole. I made a bigger hole. Was it a boy bear or a girl bear? Well, boy, teddy bears are boys. It was. I thought Open about minded. Teddy Roosevelt while I was fucking. <laughs> I thought about the national park system and I just let one Did fly. you come in the bear? Yes. Was it yours? My cum? <laughs> Your bear. It was my bear. Okay, yeah. good. That would be weird if it was like my sister's bear. Well... I don't know what kind of standards and scruples you had as a teen. Only fucked it once. Why? Because it had come in it. And that's where you drew the line. (laughs) Well, it probably would have been crusty and whatever. Yes, that's true. Speaking of, you know what I decided is absolutely disgusting? You know what would be funny, by the way, is if I fucked the bear in my closet and left it in there, and then I came home the next day and it was like on my pillow, looking (laughs) at me, (laughs) waiting, winking. Um, okay. Rich Bryant says, when I have cereal, now look, I get that there's a drop off between bear fucking stomas right. and cereal. Yep. But we just gotta, we gotta bear push down. through it. Bear down. When I have cereal, I open the box, pull out the plastic bag entirely, pour, then put it back in the box. Just mirror everyone. I don't do that. I think he's on to something, you know, because they always, you know, you open it and it's beneath the cardboard. Right. So when you pour it, there's always some that goes in the bottom of the box. Exactly. And then you think, well, that's going to attract something or other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other way to go, and this is really anal, is to just get the plastic container that you pour your cereal that's into. That's what we had growing up. Yeah. That we had feels, that. Yeah. Feels too Betty Crocker. And then 
I think they were probably Tupperware brand. And then at a certain point, it switched to the cereal in its plastic bag was put into a Ziploc bag and the whole Ziploc bag was put into the box. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there was a lot of steps to get yeah. to your cereal. But Fat Allison still got to it. <laughs> <laughs> Where <laughs> is it? <laughs> Not going to put me off the cereal that fast. Yeah, I think that this guy, uh, is t- it seems like there's an extra step that needs to be cut out. What if you... Got some scissors and just lowered the, bu- the button of cardboard on that side. That is smart to make a sort of a spout. Yeah. Jeff? I like it in the box because the box you can handle with one hand. If it's right. a bag, then you'd yeah, have to kind right. of wrangle both ends of it. Right. I don't have a lot of problem with cereal falling down in the box. Maybe it's the brand. What kind of cereal are you eating? I can't say. My tongue does not want to stop on all. It's like cereal. 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 What if you even just tore? You didn't even have. You wouldn't have to cut the whole box. But what if you just pulled down, tore down like mm-hmm. the the short end of the box, so that the spout would come out there? You know what I'm saying? Instead of having to clip the whole top off, as you're right. suggesting, you just take oh, that I, corner and right. pull it down. Right. That's how I imagined you were. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I like, like that. Life Hacker or something probably has some whole cereal hack. Do you remember do the uh, little six pack, eight packs of cereal yes. boxes, oh, and yeah. the sides of them had serrate, serrated, so mm-hmm. you could open up the side and turn it into a bowl, slit it, and turn it into a bowl. It was I mine. never did that. I Nobody never, ever did that. No, they didn't. But I wondered: Are you actually supposed to do this? Like, where, where presumably are you eating this? Where you have no bowl at war on the battleground? Right. Do you think about that? Do you think that's what they do you think they were like I've got to have my apple jacks. <laughs> yeah. And they were cutting it open. Yeah. With their little milk poured mm-hmm. in. Cereal is not what I would want to be eating in battle. No, you want protein. I just mean you want something that doesn't involve so much hand eye coordination. Yeah, and, you want beef jerky. Yes, or even like a energy bar. Energy bars. I think something about you can grab and go. Think about what energy bars did for the military. I mean, you can you can skip a meal and have an energy bar on the fly. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh when you think about like in World War 1, they used to have, you know, it was trench warfare and they were dug in literally for months at a time in a 100-yard front to the point where they were uh, the Allied forces built tracks for trains to uh, supply the troops. They, there was like a train stop at the front. Right. Wow. Yeah. They couldn't just climb out. What happened? What would happen if they climb out? Would they get killed right away? Well, I think you could climb out, but I mean, they, you you couldn't push forward. That middle area was just barbed wire, and it was um, right. uh, landmines and constant uh, machine gun fire. You know, nobody could advance, and they just dug in. If you had to be in a war, which one would you be in? Which is most suited to Greg Fitzsimmons? I guess the European front of World War II because I think you would most feel like you're doing something for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like Vietnam, I think the hardest part for the troops was walking away from it feeling like what did we just do what did we accomplish right you know and, and I, I imagine all the wars now feel that way yeah as opposed to like freeing 
right. people from fucking Auschwitz, right. seeing the look on their faces, and you know, granted, seeing the horror, but at least knowing what you'd done, right? You know, and they were friends that you lost, it was worth it. Yeah, it was probably more, much more black and white than a lot of stuff now. Jeff, war. Uh, that was a very good answer. World War Two. I think I would probably go with a similar thing. My uncle was in the Battle of the Bulge, and then he was. One of the sec, he was the second group to get into Auschwitz. Wow! And he said, and he's not a complicated man, but he said he never had religion because of what he seen in that Auschwitz, yeah. as mm. he would say. Right. I think I maybe misspoke about that. I don't think that I would have wanted to see those camps, but I guess just maybe knowing that I had freed those people. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard that from people that have seen it that it's very difficult to to ever move past it. Yeah. Marsha Miller says, I am Jewish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Marsha Miller says, yes, I am Jewish and I avoid all Holocaust museums, Holocaust movies. Like, I just can't handle it. Yeah. Just yeah. reading accounts of it is too much for me. Right. I have curiosity about it. That's one of those things I have to not, I have to force myself not to Google because mm. I. it's just, in general, I try not to look at images that are just going to terrorize me. Yeah. It's hard though, because there's so many of them that you're so curious about, but it can just. I got obsessed. I got obsessed with um, uh, Hitler in general. I just read a lot of books last year. Mm -hmm. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Yeah, I told you about that. Yeah, listening to when we last talked. And once you once you go down that that rabbit hole of the Holocaust, it really is. It's hard to pull yourself away because it's about it's the heart of darkness. It's like what the what the what we're capable of. Right. How. It's going to be a, a funny sounding question. How disturbing is Rise and Fall of the Third Reich? Well, it's, you know, it's informational as hell. There's a lot because it's all diary accounts of the rise of, of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And so you're reading, you know, Goebbels and Himmler's diaries. So it's all, it's not an, an, an author postulating what happened in this bunker at this time it's right. like here's exactly what was not only happening but how people felt about it who were there who were present mm-hmm. and then um you know by the time you get to like the fall it's sort of like you've been through a journey because when you're reading this is gonna sound weird but when you're reading a biography of somebody essentially it's hard to not get behind the protagonist. <laughs> right. Because at first, here he is, just this lost, you know, painter, failed architect guy living in fucking shelters at the age of 29, mm-hmm. eating at soup kitchens. And you're kind of like, I hope, hope the character, you know, does good. And you right. know he doesn't do good. <laughs> but it's very weird. You go through these, like, stages of understanding because that's the fascination is how can one human being create so much evil? Right. And so to watch him as a, you know, well, he's, yeah, his father beat him a little bit, his parents didn't get a whatever, but there wasn't like some horrible experience that he had where Jews raped him or something like <laughs> right. that. And it just came out of like, um, it was a little bit of a populist movement at the time against the Jews. He didn't come up with hate the Jews out of nowhere. That was going on at that time in that part yeah, of the world. Yeah, I don't, I don't, the blame definitely does not exclusively fall on him. Right. It's like he kind of lit the match. Yeah. And so to see how he was able to take a movement like that and capitalize on it, but then take it to such incredible extremes, Mm. that to me is what's fascinating. You can't look away. Is there a ton of detail about the camps in the book? 
Um, Because that's what I specifically can't handle. Yes, there there is. You know, when they talk about the systematic, you know, the use of them as an army machine and, you know, building, you know, building things and creating weapons and, you know, just how they use them as labor and, and let them die as they basically starved to death. It was just crazy. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it because you don't want to hear about it. Yeah. So my, um, my mom's mom came over from Vienna and her family, the rest of her family died in the camps. And I saw the letters that she received from the Red Cross, like sort of detailing what happened to all of her relatives. Right. It's uh, sad. Yeah. I mean, the letters themselves aren't full of details, but it's like, you know, so-and-so was cremated at this camp, like was taken to this place and then on this date was transported here and was cremated there. And Not a lot of like LOLs in the letters? No, <laughs> not, a, not a lot. No emoticons um, back then. You know, I wish there had been. It would have softened it a bit. Right. Right. Like one of those- The bleak, little black like, fist making a thumbs down. Yeah, like cremated at Theresienstadt, uh, winky face, you know. <laughs> Um, we regret to inform you, winky face. Okay, let's see. Marsha Miller says, Whenever I get a snack from a vending machine, I have a moment of pure terror thinking my... <laughs> Talk about uh, a drop-off in topics. I have a topic of pure... T- a moment of pure terror thinking my snack will get stuck. Yes, I know what you mean. Because what do you do? There goes your snack, and there goes your 75 cents or whatever. Does she wipe? I mean, how does she clean the hole after a movement, after the bowel movement? Do you think she has, like, toilet paper? Probably, like, an alcohol wipe, baby wipe type thing. I feel like the alcohol wipe, wouldn't that sting? Oof. Well, I guess if it doesn't smell that bad, just a simple... My sense is that it's kind of a constant drip. Yeah. As opposed to... But not if it's up on the abdomen. Why? Because that's above your guts. It looked like it was oh, high abdomen. interesting. Yeah. Well, then how are you? How would it get there? By a I push? I think she's got a crunch. <laughs> got to do a crunch. But it's, it, it's interesting because she could just be sitting in a meeting and pushing one out. Yeah. If that's the case. Right. Which as I don't... As long as it doesn't stink. I Maybe really... everyone she works with has gone uh, na- nose, nose blind. blind? I would. I mean, I would think with the whole the whole bag system that would contain the scent. Mm. I think in terms of the scent, she's talking about emptying the bag. Yeah. Okay. Okay. David says, and this is the last one. Just me or everyone. Hate it when putting on a band aid or using tape, and one adhesive side folds and sticks to itself. Yes, everyone hates that because mm. you try to undo it, but you can never fully undo it. Right. Right. Yeah, I wear an Adderall patch every day for my ADHD. Where do you wear it? Um, On your lower hip. There. Lower hip, upper hip. You got to move it around the hip. Is that uncomfortable? No. Okay. Um, And when I try to stick it on, it does sometimes fold on itself, and they're very expensive. Right. So I freak out, and I'm very delicate about getting it on just right. Now, why Adderall patch versus taking Adderall? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a Ritalin patch. Okay. But why patch versus The patch is time release so that Mm -hmm. you don't spike and then crash. Like I took Adderall for a while and it really, you'd get, you'd get really depressed when it ran out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
it fades slowly after nine hours or you take it off and you, you know, it just goes away as soon as you take it off. So, um, that's what I, I like the control of that. Sometimes I don't want it on for the whole day. Right. Um, and, uh, and it's just, yeah, it's a more gentle experience. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take it, what are you like? So if I go on vacation, someone's stoma, (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't take it on uh, a lot of days. I don't take it on weekends or vacations. And sometimes even if I'm working, I just, unless I really need to get, if I have to multitask, I do it. Mm. Like today I had my own podcast and then I had a bunch of shit to do. And then I had your, your podcast. So I, I slapped one on like, let's fucking get it on. Right. I want to accelerate through the finish line at the Allison Rosen podcast. Alison Rosen is your new best friend. Yes. Is it an, is Ritalin an upper? Yeah. Stimulant. It's interesting that that's what they give to kids to calm them down. I guess a lot of a lot of drugs have the opposite effect in kids. It calms you down because like I was just I just interviewed um who did I have on this morning? Um oh, uh um Rory uh, Scovel. Rory Scovel. Oh, I love him. Isn't he great? He's great, yeah. And he has ADHD, and he had been medicated for it when he was younger. And he said that, you know, the only time he can write is on stage. And that's true for a lot of stand-ups because you need that rush. And that's when the creativity kicks in. And he said, when I used to write papers in college, it was always the night before because that's the only time he could get revved up. Right. And essentially what this does is it gets you to that place where you can engage. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it calms you down because you're not, you're not, you don't have anxiety that you're not connecting. Right. I relate to that so much. Hmm. Hmm. You guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. Thank you for your Patreon support if the Patreon page is up by then. At this point, I've been talking about it longer than um, anything else in my life. I need to just pull the trigger. I'm just tinkering with the page. Uh, Patreon will be up very shortly. Um, we have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also, mm. touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy. Touch and you can get the these tushy. if you go to alisonrosen.com, click on the store, also available on iTunes and Gumroad. And we have bonus episodes available. We have t-shirts available. We have all sorts of things available. And follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Um, I'm on Snapchat, Allison Rosen BFF, and Facebook.com slash the Allison Rosen. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And Greg, tell them where to find you and everything they should be looking out for. Well, the main thing is, and thank you for having me on the show, by the thank way. Thank you for being on the show. Um, I My podcast is Fitz Dog Radio, and we've had a lot of fun guests recently, including yourself. You can check that out anywhere. Uh, I'm going to be coming to San Antonio, Texas on, uh, let's see, June, July 8th through 10th. You don't want to miss that. And then I'm coming to San Diego after that. Go to FitzDog.com for tour dates and details. And then my one-hour special, Life on Stage, is available on Netflix at Greg Fitz Show on Twitter. How, how long has that been on Netflix? A couple years. Rush out and see it, you guys. <laughs> thank you so much for doing the show. I always enjoy talking to you. You're the best. Listeners, Thanks, thank Jeff. you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. 
Go.